welcome to episode nine of the Technology Architecture Solutions Engineering Show. We're back here with uh, myself, Mr. Wentworth, and Mr. Askins. How are you this morning in our first episode of 2020? Yeah, good morning. It's uh, late in 2020 start anyways. Um, I know a lot of shows tend to uh, get a little time off for the holidays and uh, whatnot, but we uh, we were teeing up a bunch of new exciting things for uh, for the crowd out there, uh, specifically the video channels and some of the new programs our day jobs offer. So we're back into it. Absolutely. How how was the holidays? How was the new year? Give us give us the update. Um, yeah, so we got several weeks of writing the wrong date on checks. So you know, it's <laughs> 20, 2020 now, and that's that's the biggest thing. That's the that's the typical joke I say every year, and it is true. So you know, sometimes sometimes uh, reality uh, makes its own uh, humor. So here's something, side note, not technology related that I'll give to the viewers that I heard from, I forget who I heard it from, somebody uh, over the holidays. Um, somebody told them that it's important to put 2020 when you're writing things officially, because if you just put like, you know, what's the date today? One twenty three twenty when this is being recorded, you could put 2019, 2018 and post date it. Um, or backdated, I guess, um, to whatever you want if you don't put the whole thing. It's an interesting um, year we're in now because it's you're starting out with two zero and you can fill in any other number you want past that, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. So I'm kind of, ever since they told me that, I'm conscious about it and I haven't made the mistake as much as I usually do in past years. Yeah, I typically don't do a two-digit year anyways. Uh, if I'm like in a really big hurry and it's like a document that's like, hey, sign the date that you attest to, whatever, eh, I'll just maybe sometimes slap a 20 if I'm flying out. I'm a four-year. And actually, I do things like this is the engineer side of me that comes out. The way I do dates, I do year, 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 month, month, day, day. Uh <laughs> It, if you think of it, though, if you really think of it, the way things from a, from an information perspective lay, it sorts automatically, automatically sorts if you do well, it that that's way. That's true. That's very true. Yep. And it solves the problem I just mentioned. So absolutely, listeners do do the engineer way of, of writing your checks from now on. <laughs> you know, uh, side note to that, uh, we were we were signing, we being uh, my wife and I were signing some official documentation for some things recently, and there was a lot of signing that had to happen. So print name, signature, date. And I was doing the engineer way, and then something about three quarters of the way through, I kind of switched to the way everybody else writes dates. I don't know why, probably because I was just automatic and I looked at a date and you know the brain does weird things and I filled the rest of it out with the wrong date and when they were reviewing it to submit all this documentation they told me I had to resign everything again because the date format has to be consistent throughout <laughs> yeah I bet your wife loved that oh uh, she loved that um the good thing was, is the person kind of chuckled and they only pulled out the stuff like they said, pick which date format you want. And so I only had to redo the parts, the bits that I that I kind of automatically did wrong. Gotcha. But I will say, but I will say one who always claims to pay attention to detail that day, detail is not paid attention to. <laughs> there was more important things to pay attention to, it sounds like. So we'll give you a, uh, give you a slide. Absolutely. For that one. <laughs> Thank you. 
All right. So um, thanks for joining us in the new year to our listeners. Um, like Michael said, late start, but we have a lot of new exciting things for 2020. And this podcast is definitely one of them. So glad to have you back and, and listening. Um, so uh, I think we'll have some exciting new guests this year, um, exciting new topics. There's lots of stuff going on in the Microsoft world. Um, I know we have a lot of tech news on the agenda today, but I want to start with something we were talking about just before we hit the record button. Uh, I just updated to the new Edge. Um, and other than I really don't like its new logo on like the phone <laughs> or the computer. Yeah, you um, don't like that. <laughs> I really don't like it. It throws me off every time. I keep looking for Edge and I'm like, where is it? Um, I, I switched to it on my on my um, my Android device. And don't cringe. I switched to it on this iPad I'm testing as well. And it works really, really well. So like the functionality of it, awesome way to go. Um, even when I upgraded it on my computer, I got a push notification on my phone that was like, hey, we see you upgraded to the new edge. Do you want to start syncing? And I was like, yes, I do. Um, and it worked really well. But logo, no, no, no good. Um, it reminds but, me. It reminds me of a wave of an ocean visitor center in some touristy town. Yes. Yeah. Like. It, it looks like come this way for the greatest surf or something. I don't know. Um, but one thing about it that surprised me that we were talking about just before this is I, I read all the articles about how it's it's basically Chrome. You know, they're kind of saying, yes, they're they're winning with that. But I'm surprised about how Chrome it actually is. I, get, I actually have Chrome open in another window and I'm doing things separately with different accounts as everybody does in this world. And I get confused about which one's which. It's yeah, that well, close. It is, yeah. So, so the funny thing of it all is, is it is Chromium based, right? Mm-hmm. So, it it bears likeness to other things, and and that's kind of the kind of one of the tones. Like Microsoft icons are very. It, it, this is so not a technical thing that we should be really dwelling on, but we pay attention to detail. And when you look at the icons, they keep changing them over and over and over again. And, you know, the question I have is, is it like an identity crisis or massive stay fresh branding? Uh, It does create some confusion. And I also understand that, you know, maybe you lock a particular release to a particular icon set. So just by visual cues, you have an understanding. Um, They're just unable to settle on some of those basic things that that are like we take for granted on and we move forward we're like okay good move forward now, i i do not have the new edge browser on my my daily driver uh surface surface book and i've I, it's not because i don't like it or want it i do like it because on some of my test vms it's it's there it's, it's it's super fast it's like crazy fast and you know you stop and you like scratch your head i'm like well they're doing really good with this. And then I noticed that my Chrome is doing really good from a resource perspective. You know, I look at my, I, I'm really crazy cognizant of battery power. I'm that kind of a person that does like super testing on it and not like, you know, the tech tips, PC people out there, vlog channels that are like, you can get an extra whatever. I'm just very cognizant because I don't know, the OCD in me wants to know every fraction of a milliwatt and the one thing I, I i really despise the most about chrome is the resources that it totally hogs in i mean it just totally sucks up as much 
CPU as it can, and it crushes battery. And as someone who's, you know, from a day job, I'm either plugged in in the office or I'm like out and about or traveling. And I don't want to have to be that guy huddled in the corner, plugged into the wall. Even though when I get below, you know, if I get below like 90%, that's me. Uh, but, but nonetheless, you know, you, I'm seeing the performance in the battery from some of the reporting and trending that I'm looking at on my daily drivers getting better with some of the latest updates that are out there. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed any kind of performance gains and or life yeah, and I, I've especially noticed that on the mobile aspect as well. Like I said, I have it on my Android and both my Android and my iPad. And I've noticed that specifically on the mobile, because most of the time my computer is plugged in throughout the day. You know, I work from home. I have a secondary monitor I'm around plugs all the time. So I don't usually worry about that from that perspective. But I have noticed that it does suck up some CPU every once in a while for not a lot of reasons. And the only reason I have been um, um, testing that on the mobile is because it seems to have battery implications. It seems to, when I'm using that actively and then I go through the report of my last week or my last day, it doesn't seem to suck as much battery as, as Chrome does. Um, I'm anxious to see how the new one will work now that it is Chrome based. But one of the things that I wanted to bring up before we move on to one of our other tech top topics um, is the thing that at least I didn't know how to do it in the old edge. So if there was a way, I never found it. And I looked pretty, pretty intensively. Um, I couldn't figure out a way to manage profiles, mm. which was huge, huge yeah. for us. Right. So I'm logged into, you know, a, a bunch of different tenants um, throughout the workday and throughout personal life, et cetera. And there was no way to really do that other than incognito and or in private, I guess. And in private um, only allows you to have one login. Um, so if I wanted three, I was kind of up a creek and had to uh, go to Chrome or go to Firefox. Um, and with the new edge, you can actually manage profiles, obviously, because it's Chrome based. So um, that is going to be huge. And I think that it will allow me to phase out Chrome. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. We'll see how performance and how battery life goes as I make this transition to edge full time rather than two browsers. Absolutely. So I think I think the takeaway to report back to the listening audience is to check your new edge browser and see if the Microsoft search you know, we ha we use search internally uh, for our day jobs. Mm -hmm. See if search how how much better search is. I I know with with Ed well with IE just IE itself it's not that great. It doesn't work. Um, Edge it works pretty decent. It's okay. It surfaces stuff, but supposedly, and and I'm. I kind of know some of these answers, but we, we need to aggregate something a little more concrete for the listening audience. But supposedly the Microsoft search is to be much more refined in the way it presents the stuff it finds, um, as, as opposed to that little button, like search in your insert organization here and you click that and you get that screen. Supposedly commingling things a little bit better, um, drawing distinctions between what is, you know, you're supposed to have from a, from a uh, organizational perspective, security posture. So, you know, I'm interested to see how that plays out. I know at Ignite, they talked to that. I know that some of the uh, Microsoft partner calls that we've been on, uh, they keep bringing those, those 
those bits up, which is, is kind of nice. Um, you know, kind of, kind of bringing it full, the topic full circle. Um, you know, and I know this is, you know, all these topics we're talking about is are, you know, in the news this week. So edge being like able to be released in my question to you is, and think hard on this before you go by Microsoft making Chrome better for windows 10 and the efficiencies they're doing inside of their own edge browser. Is that a selfish move of Microsoft? Are they just being good stewards to the community since the bones of both browsers are very similar? Hmm. That's an, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily selfish of them. I think it's actually kind of the opposite, in my opinion. I think it shows their willingness to kind of play ball with other other tech industries. Um, you know, they're saying, hey, look, um, kind of how they did with, with the phone, uh, but now they're kind of going back with maybe we're, we're getting into that game again. But um, with the phone, they were like, look, we tried this. You know, maybe it wasn't for us. So... We're going to create apps that work on Android and work on iOS and use that ecosystem. I think it shows that their willingness to play ball and what they're good at, they're going to focus on and what they don't excel at as much. I said excel. That's funny. Um, <laughs> they, uh, they will kind of not focus on and, and send it off to somebody else who does that specific yeah. thing very well. Yeah, for sure. A side note, we need to have a nerd joke alert sound effect to drop in when we do those kind of things, by the way. <laughs> yes, we um, do. Yes, we so, do. So I'm, I'm going to make a bold, and this is not a, an aspersion against Microsoft. I think it is selfish of them, and I think it's rightfully so selfish because it's going to make their product better, but it does the side effect I see as helping the rest of the community out there. Um, now, that being said, the when I say being selfish, I mean we need to make it Chrome work well because some of the fundamental bits of edge are going to be very similar. And we want that experience to be well. Uh, and it took this new edge browser that is, you know, chromium ish based to, to make regular Chrome better. So the timing is not ideal. Um, but I will say to, to your point, they, they are, there, any device, anywhere, any browser, any way that you can connect uh, mentality. So where they are developing strong for Linux and are developing strong for for Mac pains me to say, but you know they're they're working hard on those things because they want anyone. They don't want to isolate anyone out. They want everyone to use and consume their resources in their cloud, and this is one of the ways to do that. Now I want to touch on something else real quick. I want to um, call out the fact that we need to have, as people that log into portals, a good solution. And and I'm thinking maybe browser extensions. I don't necessarily think profiles. Those are sometimes things you want to do um, with your profile or links or things you have configured under that profile to, to administer portals. There needs to be a a, a, a more better solution for that. You know what I think that more better solution is, and I've been doing this a lot as of late when possible, but it's not always possible. So I agree when this is not possible, we do need to solution as you're describing, but um, Azure B2B, 
um, my main client I'm working with right now because I'm in their tenant as my day job account. Um, while I'm in the Azure portal, it's much easier to go back and forth. We have them as a guest in our teams. So I get to live in my environment and don't have to do that portal shifting as much, um, which is a game changer. But it, some businesses don't like that uh, for one reason or another, uh, whether it's too new or their security ramifications are too high, whatever it may be. Um, in that case, yeah, we definitely need a, a better way to manage those profiles or manage those portals. Yep, absolutely. Agreed. Uh, so looking at our agendas uh, topics here, I think one thing that I'm intrigued about is uh, you, you noted WordPad is getting office ads built into it. Um, I did hear that and see that. So I'm anxious to see what your thoughts are on that topic. Yeah, so this this I'm going to make a statement and, and it's kind of Amazon-ish. You know, the Amazon really cheap device that you get from a tablet perspective, a Fire tablet, what have you. They tried the phone thing that didn't work out, but you get a Fire tablet and you can get it for like a hundred bucks or you can get it for 50 bucks with ads. And like the ads are for stuff on Amazon. So this is kind of similar to that, but it's not. It's it is kind of understated. These ads are just in the notification bar. It's not like there's these rotating, uh, big screen like hey. But and you know the ads are for like if when you're in WordPad, it kind of states try Microsoft Word here or a click here and it takes you to a landing page that shows you the various formats of of portal purchases you can make from a home all the way through a business. So, you know, people are getting all bent out of shape and it, it was on like six of the like 10 top news stories that there's ads inside of it. So like I started drilling in, I'm like, it's to me, it's kind of like, meh, <laughs> it doesn't bother me. If I'm going into WordPad, which is unlikely, I know everybody likes it and all because it's quick, it's clean, it's, it's neat and it comes default on a machine. I'm going to go to Notepad++ if I'm going to edit some stuff um, from a Kodi perspective, and I'm not going to use an IDE. Uh, I'll use that as an IDE. But people are getting all bent out of shape about it. And I start thinking to myself, I was like, yeah, well, they're promoting they're promoting their product. And I don't know. I, I got, I'm mixed. Part of me doesn't care because um, I don't use it. And if I do, it's kind of like hit the X button and that little notification goes away. What are your thoughts? I've noticed that happens in what is it? I guess personal outlook. So like outlook.com there's yep. ads in there as well. Um, and I'm kind of with you. I just don't use it enough, but I feel like if I did, it would annoy me um, because I'm, I'm using that for a reason. Um, I, I don't know. I think there's a, a very small subset of the population at large, even not in the tech world that doesn't know what, office is um it's so ubiquitous i guess that i don't really think it's necessary to give ads to it you're probably using wordpad because either you don't find it valuable to purchase an office license because you're just using it for quick things or you know what you're doing like you said and you're opening it up for just something quick clean um so i don't really know how successful um having ads in there will, will really be uh, but I'm kind of with you. I, I just don't use WordPad enough. I use um, the Office Suite. I use 
OneNote and I use Notepad++. So. And there, there's the Office Online too. Like you click on a link, it, it'll open and let you read something. Somebody sends you something, you don't have it. So I don't know. People are getting all bent out of shape about it. And it's so not an enterprise topic, but it's worth noting. Uh, and... You know, I one mean, of the th- one, we're one of bent the things- out of shape over the icons. So <laughs> if we're bent true. over shape out of that, then I guess we'll let people be bent out of shape on WordPad. <laughs> that is true. I mean, I will go on record saying that um, I would hope that if you do have the full office installed on your machine and you do for some reason open up WordPad for some reason, that uh, that wouldn't happen. I hope they have that logic built into it. Agreed. Awesome. So um, another topic you wanted to mention in today's episode in the news, um, GCP is taking on AWS and Azure in India. Yeah, did you? there's a TechCrunch uh, article that kind of piqued my interest. It uh, came out on the 20th. And um, yeah, so I find it... Uh, I find I found that, you know, reading this article, it's a small, quick read, you know, take would take less than a minute. But essentially, Google Cloud is looking to, you know, combine all the productivity tools and G Suite with Airtel to do some offerings to help um, have a land grab in that space for, you know, India has a big tech tech industry over there. So uh, they're looking to do a land grab around that space. And I don't know how successful it'll be. I almost see it as what modern day uh, cable providers are doing here with some of the like Netflixy type things. Or like if you sign with us, you get it for a year, or you know you get some sort of subsidy for signing up with you know Verizon or Fi- or, or Comcast or Xfinity. Cox, name your provider here. They all have bundles with Hulu and and YouTube YouTube TV and all this various stuff. That that's kind of what it smacked to me as is like, okay, we're gonna take this uh, Air, Airtel as the main provider over there that they're they're partnering with, and I'm like, I I, I don't I don't see that as as a, a, a great deal because you're not selling your capability. You're just offering a coupling and or discount or part of it for effectively zero low cost to no cost i don't know what are your thoughts on it you know it it, it doesn't seem to be because when, when we pick as architects we look at it from an architecture perspective we pick the thing the service that best fits our need and it with this coupling it seems like well come to us and you get and we're partnered here i'm not saying that you have to use it but the incentive is there to use it and being forced onto a platform to kind of have a work with an organization that is partnered together doesn't make sense from a choosing the technology out that best fits the need perspective yeah, I actually haven't read that article, which is why I kind of tossed it to you to, to give that kind of update. But I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I, I don't I from my perspective, I think that I'm not sure why they're doing that. If they think that there isn't a lot of cloud adoption there and they're hoping to kind of get in early and and get people to switch um, or or what that is, um, I think. I think personally that if you're trying to get in early with a product that you have that maybe isn't you know one of the top contenders like Azure and, and AWS is, we hit that all the time. GCP not quite as much. Um, you should just 
do things to to make your product um, better, more, more competitive. <laughs> yeah, better. <laughs> um, rather than just move to a different geolocation and get in early and kind of lock people in. Um, and I'm yeah. not saying that's what they're doing because I haven't read the article yet, but that's kind of what it smells like. And well, I AWS probably do that. AWS did did this with that exact provider many, many years ago. So, I mean, are, are they just trying to follow suit because AWS has a lot of area from a land grab perspective? Um, again, you know, from our day job and from what we advise through outlets like this is like you pick what's best for what you do and the best offering, the most reliable spread, if you will. So, you know, again, I'm not picking on on Google, but I would do it because AWS has done this in the past. It just seems like it's so intense over there between like Israel and, and India, both massive, massive land grabs happening in the past couple of weeks because, you know, it's $7 billion worth of, of cloud spend. If you think of it, if you think of what's being spent over there, it's Grand Canyon of money, if you will. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, damn them for making a run at it. it I, I, what I'm looking at is, is, is what does that mean from choosing the best technology? You know, many times there's there, we have day job meetings. We have people like we have this bit in Amazon and Azure is just not there yet on this little tiny bit over here. So everything's in Amazon. Well, like if we listen to the messaging from Microsoft, you know, absolutely, if there's something that they can't do well and you have it in Amazon, it's already built out. Well, let's let's manage it from from Azure because that management plane is so superior and not being provincial because because we're Azure people. But it is it is a superior. That's why we chose it. It's it's the best fit. So you can have Azure Arc on top of your little bit over there sitting in Amazon and then eventually fail it over to, to Azure as as that capability matches what you need or you have spend to, you know, get that all together, if you will. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's it's just interesting, you know. I, I I like to look outside of what we do here in North America, and see what other other countries are doing because we we have to architect at a global scale. And when we start seeing, or when I start seeing, you know, these these land grabs happening over there, I know what the conversation is going to be as these partnerships go. It's like, yeah, we have a presence in India, and they're on AW or on GCP, and. We're going to look back at them and say, okay, let's, what are you doing there? And why is it chose? Why did you choose that? And what is the, it's going to add cycles to, to, to understanding and, and it'll, it'll add complexity if they do go that route to, to marry that into the enterprise solution. Absolutely. You brought up what I was going to talk about. So I won't harp on it. Azure Arc. Um, you know, I think I've run into a couple scenarios where people are stuck on GCP, like you said, with AWS for some specific niche reason. Um, and exactly like you said, Azure Arc um, is Microsoft's play of, yeah, we understand that. Um, here's a, a way to manage it all under one plane. So absolutely. Um, the only thing in tech news we didn't talk about is buggy updates. And I don't know what that means. So I'll toss that one to you too. So um, more and more, we're seeing news that uh, there's a lot of updates going out that are less than ideal. So I, I won't touch too much on it. I'm just going to point you to to taking a read through some of the releases of updates that has gone out for Win, Win 10 and, and the server suites and, and 
the like products and understand what some of these updates are doing. I'm not saying to defer them because a lot of them are security updates. I want to talk about more the process around handling buggy updates. I think that's where that's where a lot of these news articles could simmer down because the last thing as technologists and specifically uh, technologists who have an affinity for the the Microsoft suite and stack of, of products is to see a bunch of news of like, oh yeah, an update went out and here's what to expect. You know, certain machines are going to get locked out here and certain things are going to be done there. So, you know, I scratch my head and, and, I, and I wonder how organizations fall into this trap of like, oh yeah, I have to now remediate a bunch of updates that crippled other an application or or makes my device boot funny or the wireless unreliable or insert whatever reason why there's a buggy update. And I will say Microsoft is continuously changing their their update cycles and the way they do things. You know, we had some name changes which were more than name changes. They were, you know, process changes too as well. So scratching my head, I'm like, how does this happen? Like if we want to think from an enterprise perspective, how does that happen? And that happens because patch management is not being managed or the impact of something going out that is less than ideal um, at mass is not being managed. So yes, even if you have a great management system to update all your servers and update all your endpoints and and have everything good, there is going to be a rogue thing slip through here or there. But you really need to stop and look. If you are crippling your company with updates, instead of saying, okay, Microsoft, boo, or insert you know, HP put out maybe bad firmware or, you know, Dell put out, you know, a bad set of, uh, of driver updates, what have you, you need to stop and look at your process that you're doing and say, I didn't test it fully and I crippled my company or there, it works fine for everyone, but it doesn't for us because we have this particular configuration. And there's a lot, a lot that goes into that. And when you look at it from an operational perspective, it's as simple as defining your release cadence, r- receiving updates, running them through a test system, validating it, queuing it, getting authorization from your security team, getting authorization from your operational team that both needs are met, and then go through your internal rings of deployment. Um, Now, that may be slightly counter to what some of the Windows 10 stuff is, keeping things update and streaming updates off of machine to machine. Uh, But from an enterprise perspective, that when you have to check the box, of compliance and you have governance controls in place that help keep your operations going operationally you are more secure and sound from a governance perspective you're checking the the boxes and signing off on yes we are doing what we're supposed to do does that make sense that makes perfect sense um funny story about that line item when i saw it in the agenda i i got that the same day we were happened to be together and you made a comment about how your buggy needs washed. So I took buggy as your vehicle, <laughs> not buggy as in the way you were thinking buggy. And I thought you were getting a new car. That's what I thought that line item was. <laughs> You're getting a buggy update. <laughs> yeah, I, I did call my car a buggy. Um, That's why I was, I was like, um, 
Is he talking about his car in tech updates? I'll just let him go with that one. So agreed on all your points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so there are solutions in place. Um, and actually, Microsoft has technology bits to help organizations with this so that you are, you know, maintaining compliance and your and your car is clean. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I like it. Full circle. Very good. So I see that you want to have a MA's Channel 9 video of the week. Is this a new thing we're doing, like the game we did last year? Yeah, we're still going to do the game, but um, that'll be dispersed. So, yeah, I wanted to, you know, I'm on Channel 9. I'm on uh, the various learning channels. We create video content ourselves. and, And the last thing I would want to do is, like, step on toes and, like, waste zeros and ones uh, out there in storage and and stream something that's already been done, right? And also, Channel 9 is really well-produced stuff, right? So channel9.msdn.com, we can put it in the show notes. But, you know, there's this video, and and I'm just going to bring up – if I talk about it, there's no use of you watching it. So I want you to go watch it, but I'm going to talk about what the title is and what the impact of it is, and then you can see uh, the video. So there's various videos on Channel 9, and they have one for Azure Friday. There's a day-to-day. There's um, a networking day. There's all these different days, all these different technology streams and, and, and stacks. And as well as from the big conferences, they live stream some of the keynotes and, and things of that nature on Channel 9. So um, as long as Channel 9 is still there and they don't rebrand it to something else, but channel9.msdn.com, there is an article on Azure Friday, how to set up a direct interconnection between Azure and Oracle Cloud Infrastructure. So those of you who may or may not have Oracle. If you're looking potentially to use Oracle and you really like that Azure infrastructure, you're using it for for most of your other things, or you want to do a lot of IoT and you want to have some sort of a connection between the stuff, this is a pretty decent quick video. Um, it's not really quick. It's 18 minutes, 45 seconds. Um, relative to these types of things, it's not like a multi-hour type of an event, but it, it kind of walks you through what it takes to you know connect to Azure services. And, and people say like, well, why would I want to do that? Because, you know, Oracle Cloud has everything I need for my Oracle databases and, and things of that nature. Well, there's a lot of analytics, AI and ML, um, AI being artificial intelligence and ML machine learning. There's a lot of stuff in Azure that's well-baked, right? It's it's becoming, if not is the de facto standard in that space. And it'll allow you to work some of those workloads on both sides of the fence, right? You can reach into some of that Oracle stuff. Whereas in the past, what we used to have to do is create a separate data warehouse, offload all the Oracle data, and there's connector charges and costs, and now you're consuming additional databases and things like that just to get the data to be able to run against it. And if you need to do something near real time, that then layers in another layer of complexity and time. So check this out, see if it applies to you. We are also going to um, open up this year. Unfortunately, I don't think we'll have it in time for this episode. But when we give you these uh, these drops of, hey, check this video out or check this this link out, um, leave, we'll leave some comments inside the, inside the stream here so we can get your feedback. Does this apply to you and what have you done in the past? But uh, check it out. It's definitely cool. 
Awesome. So the only thing left on the agenda for today, I think, is uh, sort of a, a game like we like to do at the end, more lighthearted. Um, great saves. So each person on the call, which is only two of us today, um, but each person on the call um, or on the show here today will discuss a great save to a system solution or project. And you missed the Oxford comma, which made me read that weird. Um, <laughs> but um, so, yeah, a, the great, a great save to a system solution or project. I'm sure we've done multiple in our careers. You probably way more than I. Um, so what's your what's your favorite or one that comes top of mind? Uh, so so I got a lot of saves that have happened. Um and I didn't prepare for this because I wanted it to be kind of off the cuff, like what's top of mind based upon what I experienced at the moment. And um, so th there's a couple couple of them that come to mind for the content we talked about today. So from an update perspective, we had uh, I was working for a particular company and there was a lot of servers that needed to be patched and we had our, our patch cycles. Right. And we were rolling through the patch cycles and one of them bricked one of our machines and it had a critical um, work path component on it for the business. And we do these updates out of out of band first and everything seemed fine. And then once we deployed it, there was a unique thing that occurred with an update to a particular bit of hardware, particularly a NIC driver. And it totally rendered the connectivity from that server useless. And so we management networked into it and we couldn't get it up and running. So what we wound up doing as a quick was doing quick restores of everything to a Hyper-V cluster that we were standing up for an expansion office. So we essentially took two racks worth of equipment and consolidated it down to a half-rack Hyper-V cluster with obviously storage on the outside. The benefit of that was is we never went back. So that that's the, there's where the great save came. It's not unique that what we did. We took we took the backups and we restored them to a virtualized environment. But essentially, we physical to virtual migrated them out of necessity to keep the business running. And then you know we stopped and looked and we realized oh, like oh that's great. We shut down several racks worth of gear, and the cost savings of that was immense. So. I won't say it was like the most technical unique save, but it was a great save because in one night we brought a whole business up on a Hyper-V cluster, tearing down several racks worth of gear. I'll go with that today. How about you? That, that's that's a hard one to follow because that's like a save and like an upgrade all in one. I know. That's that's, that's why it's a gr great. <laughs> I don't know that I can think of one like that off the top of my head. Um, one that comes to mind is actually in the office 365 space um at a previous employer um this will be funny because i'll be purposely generic but you'll know exactly what i'm talking about i'm sure um there was a issue um where we were setting up sharepoint sites for a lot of people along with the teams um 
play as well. But there was some SharePoint reasons back in the day that they wanted it separated, um, this particular client. And I was on the way to a different client in the car and I get a panicked call that everybody is able to see financial data that they stored in SharePoint. Not good. Right. Including like salaries and all kind of stuff. Right. Um, so my first thought was, Oh no, what did I, what did I do? And I started thinking about it while I'm in the car and I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm pretty confident that that was correct. So, um, luckily this day was a heavy traffic day. So I was a, a dead stop and safe to do so. And I looked on my phone and I scrolled through the permissions and, uh, cause I had access to this environment and I was on the way to a different client. So it wasn't like I could just wait till I get, I get there. Um, and it turned out that this particular contract was one such that, um, we did kind of the first couple site migrations and then they wanted to go forward with the rest of them, um, for some, some cost savings and obviously, you know, teach a man to fish kind of reasons. Um, and they missed a very, very, very vital checkbox. Um, so they did everything right. The naming convention was solid. Um, the creation was good. Um, the permissions were actually right, except for the inheritance bit. They missed a, a very vital checkbox. Mm -hmm. That is important. So um, basically what happened was nobody found out about this. She was traveling um, at a, a remote location. Um, so it was like really, really early in the morning for them. And it was pretty early in the morning for me um, too, because I was on the way in, but I was able to go in and check those boxes every time I was at a bumper to bumper stop before anybody got in to uh, the <laughs> office to even That's see excellent. any of that. So there wasn't you know any real cost savings there, but it was a lesson learned for, for them um, to pay attention to check boxes. That's awesome. So you know what though, you know, that happens all the time. And it's not like I don't fault individuals when that happens because there's so many options. And when you start going into like machine mode, you know, we're cognizant of it because, you know, not because we the, the liability of it. We're cognizant of it because we want to make sure that we pay super attention to detail and those individuals do too. It's just when humans are involved clicking buttons, things like that are going to happen and it happens, you know, let's, let's just make it right and, and get it going and, and try not to have that again. That is one of the reasons why there's nothing that machines can't do better than people. Cause if we programmatically tell it to make it so, and we have the controls in place to like bark when it's not, you know, again, this was a while back your situation. I know exactly the situation you're talking on too. Um, it's uh, you, you put those checks in place to help, help save that. Right. Yep. And that's the other thing I was going to say is as a result of that, the, the client, the particular client I was working with kind of saw the importance of that sort of automation layer um, and ended up doing some, pieces of automation, not fully, because uh, they are super busy and doing a lot of conversions. Um, and that kind of unfortunately falls to the wayside in a lot of cases. Um, but they were able to kind of see the light, if you will, of why automation is important and um, definitely is on their radar much more than, than it would have been if that mistake hadn't occurred. So it was a mistake. It was scary. Um, but we were able to contain the leak um, pretty quickly and learn something along the way, too. Absolutely. And not to dwell on it, I can think of at least four, four organizations in the past 
four years that they, that exact scenario happened. So, um, yeah, that's definitely cool. Wanted to take a quick moment uh, as we wrap things down before I toss it back to you to, to wrap it down is to thank our sponsors today. So Solutions for Networks, a premier networking organization focusing on not just traditional networking, but security and cloud and collaboration as well. So we'd like to thank them for sponsoring our show today, as well as Taste Labs at tastelabs.net. Absolutely. And um, thank all of you uh, as well for listening to us and, and <laughs> listening to our nerdy jokes and, and banter and hate for icons and um, confusion <laughs> of what buggy means. Um, so uh, appreciate you guys. Hope you all are having a great year so far. Um, thanks for joining us again and look out for our next episode coming up here shortly. Thanks so much. Have a good day. See you next time. Today's show is produced by Mr. Wentworth, directed by Michael Askins. Graphics and artwork provided by Art by Sophia, edited by Mr. Wentworth. Visit the show notes for terms and conditions.